T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Christine Flowers, hello. Hey, girlfriends. Always <laughs> wonderful to talk to you. How are you doing? And I, I loved your intro. You really covered um, these unusual times in a in a very succinct way. And um, you know, it's and you always do. And I think it's it's fantastic. I would not. I would have been all over the place and 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 angry. I'm very angry about what's happening right now. But I. Yeah, I mean, regardless of your, well, I, I can't even say that. I would say regardless of your political leanings, you should be troubled as an American to see what is happening with the justice system. But that being said, I found many of my fellow Americans, some of whom are, are good friends, who don't seem troubled at all uh, and believe that this is exactly what should be happening at this particular time. And they're not taking a view of the larger picture of what's going on. They're very focused on um, the partisanship and the fact that they um, either hate or they mistrust or they're disappointed in Donald Trump and they believe that he has committed illegal acts. And so they think, okay, well, this is just a normal prosecution of someone who has been charged with committing crimes. And that is not what this is at all. This is unprecedented for a former and possibly future presidential um, uh, Republican nominee to be prosecuted on the eve of yeah. an election. So just keep that in mind and keep that in mind, guys, as you remember that last week, during the presidential elections in Ecuador, a political opponent was gunned down and killed at a rally. So um, I know that that's not what's happening here, and this is the legal system playing itself out, but there are uncomfortable and unfortunate parallels that can be made. If you look at it from a macro position and not just the micro, uh, let's get Donald Trump, you know, posture. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. I think this, in my view, this is election interference. And I think politically, this is a hazard. And we've entered into a hazard zone because now it'll be tit for tat with the, with the parties. And I don't want that. And I think most of us, I, I'm mortified to see this. And you think of, think, and you as an attorney know this, that when the former president walks in here, he walks in with Secret Service. He gets an inmate number. There are people who take glee in that. If, yeah. if, for example, Hillary Clinton, a lot of people talk about her server in the basement or even the Biden family, Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, I, I would be mortified to see any, any and all of these people. If, even if they, if the Bidens deserved it or Hillary Clinton, 
in my mind, I just would be mortified to see that site and feel badly for their families and feel badly for the country. In no way would I take glee in this. But it just shows you, Christine, that in the media, you see them with their little, their little, they, they're trying to hide a smile, some of them, as they report this. It's really sick. They've gone to a new low. I, I cannot agree more. Um, I had that exact impression when I was listening to, uh, I don't know if it was CNN or MSNBC. I mean, I, I do, I do the hard work so they don't have to <laughs> watch these programs. But the, the, it, it was glee. I mean, your word was, was perfectly chosen. There is this, it's, it's not even schadenfraude. You know how people say, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm taking some kind of, of joy in the pain of my enemy. This was absolutely absolute cruelty and hostility that was being demonstrated. People who were saying, well, why shouldn't he have a mugshot? <laughs> because he's not a guy who ran a red light, okay? Mm-hmm. He's not a guy who has two DUIs over here. This is the former president of the United States for which a large segment of the American population voted in the last election. So this attempt to demean him at a personal level is indicative of this just absolute cruelty, I think, on the part of so many people. And I... I I remember when they were talking about removing the case from um, state court to federal court, at least I know Mark Meadows filed a motion. And quite frankly, I think that that motion, um, I don't do a lot of removal practice. I don't do a lot of motions which try and get cases out of the state system into the federal system. But I, I looked at what I could of the motion and it appears that this is, is going to be granted. And I hope so for a variety of reasons. Yes. But one of the reasons is there are no cameras in the federal court system. They, they, there's not the, the same level of bread and circuses that you have in so many of the state court systems. And there were people, there were journalists complaining that they weren't going to be able to see Donald Trump in a, uh, you know, in a lineup. Not that that was ever going to happen, right. but they won his mugshot. I mean, come on. Are, are we yeah. adults? Really? That's what you want out of this? Well put. It's childish. And, and like uh, Mark Meadows as well, what, who is it? Um, co-defendants Jeffrey Clark and David Schaefer trying to move their cases, all three moving it to federal court. I think you're right. I think they will be able to move the venue to federal court. And so moving forward, I think that that is a good move. Now, yeah. does that mean that, that as far as the, the Georgia prosecutor, uh, who we talk about, Fani, will she then, she loses control of it? It goes to the federal court? I've heard that that's not necessarily the case, that she would still, um, she could still, it's not guaranteed, but she could still be on the prosecution team. I'm not sure if she would be the lead prosecutor. That might go to the U.S. attorney. But um, just because she is the state prosecutor doesn't mean that she's not, authorized to practice in the in the federal district and so i think um and and even if it is removed to the federal system they may very well want to allow her to at least be on the team because she's the one that has been involved in this for what a year and a half now um so and and i have my issues with with her i you know from the moment from the moment she gave that deer in the headlights press conference which I was, I was posting on social media. I said, she's yelling at me. She's 
shouting these indictments. He's, he's, it was just the most unprofessional, unprepared performance that I've seen. I mean, it made Alvin Bragg look like uh, Clarence Darrow. Just, just like, <laughs> really was not a prepared person there. But I don't think uh, she she will be stripped of her uh, authority if it is moved into the federal system. I do think that it will be good because you'll get federal judges. Um, there's just more gravitas. I, mm-hmm. I, I know that my friends who practice in the state courts, uh, and I clerked for a an appellate court. I, I clerked for the Superior Court of Pennsylvania years ago, and there's a lot of gravitas, and there's some wonderful judges uh, in those court systems, especially in Pennsylvania. But there's just it's just a step above when you go into the federal system. Federal yes. practice is entirely different than state practice. And so within the last half hour, maybe 20 minutes, it's official that lawyer John Eastman, who's a co-defendant, is he's officially entered into the record as surrendering, in surrendering and getting his inmate number charged with orchestrating this so-called fake electors scheme. Uh, to get Trump in office, and that's how NBC, I'm looking at NBC right now, That's so he had surrendered to authorities, so as well as Scott Hall. So this is minute-by-minute coverage. And by the way, we don't see the Biden coverage, for example, more Hunter Biden subpoenas with that situation, House Ethics Committee releasing more subpoenas yesterday. You'll never see the minute-by-minute on all of that, but the network's choosing and and this is history, so I can't criticize. This is history in the making, right, Christine? I mean, as in your lifetime and as an officer of the court, as an attorney as you are, have you ever seen anything like this? No, I haven't. And again, that was when we opened the conversation, I said that this is incredibly troubling. And it is, yeah, it's on TV, but it's also on social media. We are dealing with this is a perfect storm of of media attention, of unprecedented events that are occurring, of unprecedented division in this country. I know people will, will always say, well, you know, remember the Vietnam era? I was a toddler. Well, no, I was maybe like six, seven, eight. But there's something, there's an even higher level here. There, during the Vietnam era, I remember, the anger was toward the government. It wasn't toward other Americans. Although the returning soldiers were treated horrifically, they were looked at as representatives of the U.S. government. What we're dealing with now is intra-citizen hatred. There are people who have lost family members because they voted the wrong way. There's such division in this country right now. And the media, and not conservative media, the media that we looked at, the mainstream media, are fomenting it under the guise of providing uh, clarity and information and the news. And it's just, it's very upsetting. Um, I remember I felt this way when I was watching the confirmation hearings of uh, Justice Kavanaugh, Brett Kavanaugh. Um, I was watching the way that the different stations were doing their commentary. CNN was was the worst. Uh, you know, whenever there would be an issue with Kavanaugh, they would basically be on the verge of just calling him a, a rapist who, who was not admitting that he was a rapist. That's why I have such animus toward uh, Kamala Harris. She was, she was Torquemada at those hearings. I know I'm getting a little off, off. Uh, no, I, lo- I love here. that you're bringing this up actually. But it, it just, it's, it's, 
it's all of a piece right now. And the there's a glee, an absolute glee. And if you go on social media, it's the same way. I just had a back and forth with a woman this morning uh, because of a column that I had written uh, about these indictments. And she said, oh, I don't know what your problem is because uh, Donald Trump deserved to be indicted. Um, this was about the the classified documents issue. Uh, she said, you know, he tried to hide, uh, avoid the subpoenas. And I asked her, I said, can we step one step back? Why was there even a question about these documents? Why was an investigation opened into Donald Trump having these documents when he was out of office for a couple of months, but four years on, no one was asking Joe Biden. No one was interested in finding out if Joe Biden had these documents. And the woman responded, she said, well, Joe Biden self-searched. He looked for them himself. I said, yeah, because he saw what was happening to Donald Trump. No one my my whole point was isn't there isn't there selective prosecution here isn't there selective interest in who's taking away these documents that's where you have to look not who tried to avoid what when yeah okay deal with that when you get to that point but ask the first question is why is the target on this back on Donald Trump and not on the back of Joe Biden or not on the back of Pence and and so, and nobody's answering that question. So th- that was just the whole thing. There's a lot of um deflection, denial and uh, you know, disgust. <laughs> when you look at this as you know, as somebody who has this you have such an interesting life and role because you're a public person. You, we see you on 6ABC on Sunday. We see your articles and and obviously your op-ed pieces as a national columnist and local columnist. But as you look out and as you see this and you think about the fact that the mainstream media, Christine Flowers, continues to treat Trump voters and Trump as as really as if, oh, you, you, you lowlifes. Essentially, right? And if you talk yep. about that, oh, he can't win, and oh, and it, and it's this attitude. And yet, I feel, I, I personally feel ab- absolutely. I think that if you, if I look at, if I look out and I see the, the mood of the country, and we just drove for my one son's, you know, junior Olympics across, you know, from here to uh, Iowa and then stopping in states and visiting families, we drove across. As I talk to people, the mood in the country is people have had it with the economy, with this school situation, trying to separate parents away from their parental rights with their kids, education, low test scores, the border, the crime. We could go on and on, right? And I, yeah, I yeah. just, I, to me, I feel like, am I, am I the one? Am I just way out of whack here? Because I think, absolutely, I think Trump, I think he's the candidate. I think he'll win back the White House, and I and I have great hope that he'll restore the economy and and the border and all mm-hmm. of that. No, you're not. You're not out of whack. We we just happen to be living in of um, sort of like an echo chamber. We're in a very blue city with tiny, tiny little pockets of red here and there. Our state. You don't even have to go out to beautiful Iowa. If you go west of Harrisburg, you are in Iowa, essentially, yes. because there, Pennsylvania is overall a, 
a, a, a red purplish, <laughs> but a purplish only because of us and Pets, Pittsburgh. Um, but it's red. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I have an office in Berks County, which is still close enough to Philadelphia that it's more blue than red. But as you start moving out, and I deal with a lot of clients from central Pennsylvania, northeastern PA, my beloved Poconos, um, and they, they are a completely different animal. They don't, um, they, they don't trust the messaging that they're getting from the news that we hear all the time. And you know, I think that there is this disrespect that has always, always existed for so-called flyover country. And it just started coming to the fore and being noticed when President Obama started in with his, you know, clinging to their uh, their guns and their uh, religion. Uh, mm-hmm. I used to say oh, clinging yes. to their guns and their rosaries. That, that idea that there's something lesser um, in these people from, and I've traveled the Midwest. I adore the Midwest. I love the people there, their, their heart, their soul. They're just plain speaking people. Mm-hmm. Um, I was down at the border a couple of months ago and, you know, going down there, I also traveled through a little bit of Texas and I, you know, they're just a totally different race of human being. Um, they, and they haven't been jaded and they're not jaundiced and they're not, yeah. they don't have this, this hatred of government. They have this healthy suspicion of government. Um, but they also, they do love, um, President Trump. They, yeah. they, they love him and they hate the fact that they're ridiculed for loving him and they hate the fact that they're ridiculed for voting for him. And it's, it's very upsetting. Mm-hmm. But when you live in Philadelphia, you just don't get that perspective because we are inundated every day with so the other side. And, oh, you're so stupid. Mm-hmm. You, you actually voted for Trump or, oh, you're so stupid. You're still a Republican. Oh, you're so stupid. You're a woman. You must hate yourself if you're a conservative woman and a Republican. You must really hate yourself. It's like the that documentary, Uncle Tom, if you're a conservative um, minority, you know, African-American mm-hmm. in that case. But if you're a conservative immigrant, if you're a conservative this or that, you just must hate yourself. That's, uh, you know, a masochist. You get that all the time. And you don't get that when you move outside of the blue areas of the country. Yeah, I love that you painted that picture of Pennsylvania because that's exactly how we drove I-80 straight through. And you you begin to see all the Trump signs and then move through, driving through Ohio and Indiana and, you know, Illinois. So I love I love that image. What as far as being an immigration attorney, do you ever get comments from those seeking a legal pathway to this country as far as what they think about all of this, the political scene that is on, you know, on, that's really continuing in this country with political, you know, divisions and the upcoming POTUS election? They do. And, you know, it's interesting. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, immigrants, at least I can only speak to my personal experience, but you know, I, I have been doing this since 1995, and I, I she was 12 that, when she started. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I had one of those accelerated law school programs right after eighth grade. <laughs> like, I was like, you know, I did it during my weekends, during recess. I was um, but but the thing is, they are both um, they're more intelligent and savvy. They're, they're, they are not gullible. Uh, they don't really believe 
anything that the politicians are saying on on either side of the aisle. They um, they want to be here legally. They want to do it legally. They pay lots of money to try and legalize their status. I'll, I'll, I I always have a great deal of admiration for someone who comes into my office who is trying to go from being undocumented or illegal to a legal status because it's a lot easier to just act get a, a job where they pay you under the table, um, you have no status, you're in a limbo, um, you don't go to court, you do this, that. That's the easy thing to do. The vast majority of the people who are here right now are looking for a way to legalize their status. Many of them are already paying taxes because they have tax ID numbers. You don't need a social security number to pay taxes. And many of those who are paying taxes are not going to get the refunds that they're entitled to because they don't have social security numbers. But they're doing all of this because they have a love of this country and they respect the system. That's another reason why I'm so worried about what's going on with the prosecutions of Trump right now, because this is so reminiscent of the countries that so many of my clients are coming from. I had a client from Ecuador just a couple weeks ago. She had a hearing and we were talking about her. This is before the assassination in her country. And we were talking about the country and she was saying it's very dangerous and you can't trust the police. You can't trust the government. Um, and and I said, I, I, you know, this was at the time when Donald Trump had just been indicted the third time. And I said to her, I said, yeah, our, our legal system is it. It's as good as it can be given all of the others in the world. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, we just we just uh, did another indictment of the uh, former and future president. And I just just felt so weird talking to her about that. But, yeah, the vast majority, um, they just they just want to become legalized here and they don't care which party offers it to them. And they are definitely not beholden to the Democrats because they've seen that Democrats talk a very good game. Um, but nothing happens. Republicans don't talk a good game and nothing happens. So they don't, they, they, you know, they just sort of plod forward and go to a lawyer and say, okay, help me. And you do what you can. I want to switch. I do want to end on talking about your latest, um, your latest writing, Christine. And, uh, this was Broad and Liberty talking about the blind side and from your view as an attorney. And this is this, this was such a great movie. I loved it. 2009 movie. And it's Michael Orr, who the movie portrays a homeless teenage um, kid who is adopted, we're told, in the movie by a a loving family, mom, dad, two kids, and their story, not just about football, but just such a heartwarming story. He's African-American, they're white, and as how how they go through that. And now to hear that he's suing and that he's brokenhearted, he wasn't adopted at conservatorship. Take me through, you know, your lens as an attorney, how you see the story. Well, and I had the same exact reaction that you did to, <laughs> excuse me, to the movie. It was just such a, a beautiful, um, uplifting slice of, of life. It was, it was like Brian's song, although without the tears <laughs> at yeah. the end. Um, it was like, uh, remember the Titans, all of these great sports or, you know, something that has a sports element type movie that's really about humanity and the way that we react to each other and interact. And to see this be destroyed, um, really by Michael Ower, uh, and 
it, it it's it's sad. It's very sad. I, I guess you know it just sort of convinces you once again that Hollywood is not always <laughs> Hollywood tries to embellish a lot. But I, I really believed, and I do still believe that this story was an authentic story, and that Michael Ower, sadly, um, after he went into the the pros and you know became a member of the Super Bowl winning Ravens team, and and then got mixed up with some other people, he just has been really poorly counseled and has been forcibly estranged apparently from um, the Tui the Tui families since they said like ten years. He really mm-hmm. hasn't had that much of a relationship with them. And how sad is that yeah. that they they gave him a great opportunity and now he's kind of portraying them as these white saviors, which I hate this idea that, okay, well, you know, this white family took care of this poor African American kid and they gave him these opportunities, but we really shouldn't praise them because that's the whole, the, you know, where Atticus Finch is the hero of To Kill a Mockingbird and he's this white lawyer and he's saving, you know, the poor African American defendant. Race always somehow becomes a wedge when people are doing good things for each other. And that was the the focus of my piece. And I got a lot of blowback from that. If you look at the comments on Broad and Liberty, people were saying that I was stoking racial divisions. And that's not the case at all. Because if you look at you look at other stories like Brian's song, which was so authentically beautiful about a colorblind relationship. Um, this this one, unfortunately, seems to have been stoked by a lot of resentment on the part of Michael Orr and a, a wish to return to his family of origin. And then, you know, the whole BLM movement. And it's just, as I said before, we're more divided than ever. And we didn't need this to happen with this beautiful story. And it's very sad. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that sounds even in the movie they portray that it's um, they try to show kindness as far as his mother and yeah. his, his his birth mom. And so I, I imagine there, there's a piece of that as he tries to reunite with his with his birth parents and so on. But as far as the legal side of it, I have heard legal experts say, you know, you could adopt an adult. Why the conservatorship? Is that curious? And in this case, Michael Orr's attorney is saying, well, they didn't adopt him because then he would not have the inheritance that his that the their two biological children would have. Is that is the conservatorship versus adoption weird? I have to say, and I don't, um, I'm not um, a specialist in that field of law in uh, domestic relations and in uh, orphans court. I don't have that much experience with that. I do think that there are probably legitimate reasons uh, that they didn't do a pure adoption. It might be because they weren't able to get the, uh, terminate the rights of the biological parent because he still has a mother and, you know, you can't adopt someone who's not adoptable. You have to first establish that there is that the the rights of the the parent have been terminated or that the child has been put up for adoption, even an adult being put up for well, an adult. Okay, I understand what they're saying that once he became of age, then they didn't need to establish the termination of the parental rights. But by that point, I don't understand the necessity for the adoption as opposed to the conservatorship. I just think it's a label. He was for all intents and purposes, 
their son. He had a room in their home. He sat at the table with them. He wasn't lying on a couch. He, they, they took him to school. They didn't benefit from him. They were millionaires to begin with. Right. They didn't need to do this for this son. So uh, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe they could have adopted him and that's a, a better, but I honestly think it's half a dozen of one, six of another. I don't see it as being that big of a difference. Again, you know, with the, the caveat that I am not a specialist in that field of law. Well, Christine Flowers, I, I love the conversation. I love you. Until next time. <laughs> I love you too. I love you, Dawn. Welcome home. And thanks again. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Talk soon. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friend at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.